This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, for nearly 40 years, my first guest this morning has toured the world with his music, songs of the light and the dark, some of which have been interpreted by the likes of the Dubliners, the Pogues, Billy Bragg, the Furies. Eric Bogle will play a sellout show at the Dunedin Folk Club on Sunday on what he threatens might be his last tour of this country, and he joins me on the line now. Eric, great to have you with us. Yeah, good morning. It's nice to, nice to be speaking to something New Zealand, finally. <laughs> Eric, I think your fans and followers might have heard this threat from you before, the final opportunity <laughs> to catch you in live performance. What is your thinking at the moment about the prospect of touring? Well, this... Um Next couple of months, actually, will be a fair a litmus test, really, Jeff, because this is um, the fourth uh, time of asking we're touring New Zealand. It's been cancelled three times already because of you-know-what. And um, then after that, I'm doing a fairly um, busy tour of, uh, of Victoria and New South Wales when I get back. Now, I turned 78 last week. Um and uh, while, the f- you know, the spirit is willing, <laughs> the flesh is getting a lot weaker. So we'll see how I stand up to this, you know. Uh, I still enjoy touring, don't get me wrong. Uh, well, I enjoy the, I enjoy it when I go on stage. Um, live music is the best drug in the world, but uh, everything else before that gets a bit wearisome, you know. The airports and the travel and the you know arguments with um, people in in authority, all that sort of stuff. But the um, the basic um, part of touring, the live music, is the best, you know. And I can't see myself living what life I've got left without doing some live music at least. Well, it's been such an integral part of your life as a musician, the touring aspect, the playing, the many, many, many shows. And for mm. for many artists, those travels are fertile ground for material. Um, <laughs> has that been the case for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, I'd say yeah, at least half my songs, maybe more, have been engendered by occasions or people I met, stories I heard, um, you know, much as you you like to think you can't experience everything in this world. Um, so songwriters are basically like vampires, you know, they suck the stories out of other people um, and then make songs out of it, you know. Um, and I'm the same as MDLs. Most of my songs have been engendered by other people's experiences. Folk musicians in particular rely on that, as you've said, that network of sources for material other than um, the music that they they write themselves too. Um, Mm. And and those post-show sing-alongs or the folk clubs such as the one you'll be playing at here in Dunedin. It's no doubt the case also that uh, Eric Bogle's songs are being passed along the chain in that kind of way. What do you think about that, the idea that your songs become part of a, a wider repertoire for other artists? Well, I mean, it's the greatest compliment a songwriter can get, really, isn't it? I mean, um, I often uh, bump into the fact that people, when I start singing See the band we was Matilda or, or, or Now Measy, one of our better known songs. And 
quite a few people say, oh, I thought that was traditional. <laughs> and I say, no, it's not. I wrote that. And look at me and they, they think, well, he's old enough. <laughs> um, so, yes, um, I don't care how people introduce it, what they say about it, how they perform it. Um, it's my song and it's a great compliment that, that they think it's good enough for them to, to perform. I wanted to ask you about about favourite songs, but I don't think favourite is really the right word. Perhaps um, songs that you have written and performed that still leave you feeling emotionally shifted or affected in some ways. Well, I mean, there's still cancer, there's all of them. Um, the important ingredient in touring um, is the live aspect, the, the live audience. Now, every musician will tell you that's that's the best part of the whole deal. Once you set up a communication with an audience, and you know you're getting back as much as you're given. Um, it's just magic, uh, and so all the songs you do, if you're getting a reaction, they just live again. I mean. The band played Waltz Matilda, I've sang a hundred million times. <laughs> I wrote the song in 1971. Now that's over 50 years ago. Mm. Um, and since then I've sang it oh, almost every concert I've done, bar one or two. And I can still sing it with feeling and with, with empathy and, you know, with emotion. Because of the live aspect of the a performance, you know, once you can feel the audience hooking into the song with you, you know, you can you can hear them humming along or sing along softly, or or just you almost feel the attention and the emotion. And once that happens, it's just like singing the song for the first time. And that's not bulldust. I'm, I'm, any musician will tell you that's a magic of live performance. The audience are, are a vital ingredient to, to what a musician does live music. I mean, without their involvement, without their empathy, without their reaction, then it's pointless. Um, so audiences are very important. Uh, at least 50% of the performance is due to the audience. I don't want to tell them that because then they'll start wanting paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, no doubt, no but, doubt, Eric, it's something you can't... You know, ask any musician... And you'll say exactly the same. Yeah. And no doubt it's something you can't necessarily rely on or take for granted. I mean, there, there will be audiences and, and, and places around the world where you've had fabulous times and it seems to be um, the right recipe every time. But is it always that way? Are there sometimes still struggles to win an audience over or you find yourself oh, in a territory yes. which really doesn't fit? I mean, you've, you're not guaranteed a, a great reaction. I mean, that's arrogance to think that all you have to do is sit down, open your mouth and start singing. I mean, you've got to work hard. You've got to show the audience that you're involved and you're working hard and, you know, you've been writing new songs and, you know, just prove to them that you're you're there for them and invite them into your performance. It's all in the context. Now, some places where I shouldn't have sung it, you know, and the audience haven't listened, and you can't blame them. Uh, they went there for entirely different reasons than to listen to my songs, and I was foisted on them, you know. Um, 
So yes, I mean, every gig is not a way down the zero, but in the right context, with the right audience, at the right time, in the right place, magic happens. Um, there's no other word to describe it. Um, and the good times, of course, far outweigh the bad times and make the good times make the bad times worth, worth having, really. And I presume that uh, a, a great audience for you was one that is clearly hanging on the words because your words are the most important part to you, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I've never claimed to be a great singer or guitar player, I can assure you. And uh, most people would uh, tactfully agree with me. Um, I've got a guitarist who um, is coming on the tour with me, Pete Titchener, and a fiddle player, Emma. Um, I rely on them to colour and lift the melody of what I'm singing about. Um, I had a long-term travelling companion called John Monroe. He and I travelled the world 40 years together. And John died of cancer four years ago. Mm-hmm. I left a huge gap in my life, personally and musically. But um, um, I've always loved the camaraderie of the road with other musicians. It's a lonely business without it. Um, I've done solo stuff, and it's been... Enjoyable up to a point, but, but playing and traveling with 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 fellow musicians is a is a great experience. It makes a touring experience um, handleable, really. Um, makes it uh, not as bad as it could have been. So uh, I've I've mainly always traveled. I still miss John. Um, he and I were brothers, you know, and uh, everything but blood. Um, I'll be singing a couple of tributes to him during the performances that I'm doing in New Zealand um, because he was my friend. Um, And that's what music's all about, you know. It's about shared experiences. I'll sing the song about John. This is, I'll say, this is my pal, I miss him. And I wrote this song as a tribute to him. And almost everybody in the audience will immediately turn to a pal or a relative or a, a loved one that they've lost um, because it's a shared experience, you know, loss, happiness and grief hand in hand, you know. And that's, I keep on back to the magic, but that's, that's why um, live music can, can strike deeper than any other form of music. I mean, I've got Oh, I don't know, thousand CDs, CDs, I'm showing my age. Um, I've got a large recording selection and I love them. And I spend a bit of time in my office with the earphones on and a small glass of coloured water uh, and just listening to music. I'm having a great time because I love music. But there's nothing beats the live stuff. You know, I've never listened to a CD, for instance, even my favourite ones, and the hair on the back of my neck start standing up, you know. But I've had that experience quite a few times at live performances. Um, it's a magic business, you know, it's magic. And so what approach do you take to putting together your own live experience for listeners? When you put your set list together these days, what are you thinking? 
I'm praying more than thinking. Um, I don't tend to have a set list, Jeff. Um, I've got a two or three songs that I start off with, um, which I've chosen, you know, to relax the audience, if you like, and fool them into thinking they're going to be laughing all the time. <laughs> um, I wait till I gauge the mood of the night. Every audience is different, you know, and musicians who don't treat audiences as, a, as separate entities are really um, not very clever people. I mean, so after at least three, four songs, I, I usually, because I've been doing this a long time, I've usually gauged the mood of the audience. Um, I've been wrong. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. It's, uh, I don't get it right every time, but most of the times, because of experience, I'm a fairly good gauge of you know the, the audience are relaxed and in a pretty good mood. And I know a lot of them have travelled a long way to get there, and you know had to hire babysitters or put things off and gone into some trouble. So, you know, they've got a lot of other things in their mind as they sit down waiting for me to start. So it's my job to take them from their world and, and into mine. Um, and enough in my world that they can identify with. So two, three songs, yes, and then after that, I'll just play it by ear. Um, I've got a repertoire of, you know, 230 songs or something, so... Yeah, I've got a lot to choose from. And once I think, oh, yeah, we can go for it, then we'll go for it, you know. Well, that'll be a good challenge for Pete Tichner and uh, Emma Luca. Uh, <laughs> well, it means you have to listen to me. <laughs> uh, Eric, you I know, know that you're yeah. the audience uh, that um, has sold out the venue for your performance and here in Dunedin on Sunday night will be so looking forward uh, to seeing you and I know that they'll all be hoping that it won't be the last time that you pass through our city but we're looking forward to having you come through Otipoti Dunedin um, travel well Eric and thanks so much for taking some time to join us here on ORFM my pleasure, I'm really looking forward to getting back to New Zealand again really looking forward to it this podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air